DW Africa Link Are you ready to be served with the news making headlines from Africa and beyond? If the answer is yes, then hello and welcome to the Africa Link program with me, Eddie Micah Jr. And with me, Josie Mahachi, we are reaching you right from our studios here in Bonn, Germany and live on our Facebook page, DW Africa. So feel free to connect with us. Coming up on the program, Zambia's President Hechelema hosts his counterpart from Germany as both nations try to boost their relationship. We now want to focus on opening the economic uh, social cooperation more deepening that trade investment in the various sectors uh, given the German technological advancement, the capital base that German has. And this is the first time a German federal president has visited Zambia. We speak to an analyst who explains the relationship between Zambia and Germany. German has always supported Zambia in uh, developmental projects, um, in areas of water and sanitation, in areas of education. The other thing also, the natural resources. We know that Africa is rich with natural resources, with minerals. They need the minerals. Stay tuned in for the details after the world's news in brief. DW News. Welcome to the news. My name is Jen Nyinge. Israel's intense shelling in Gaza has continued with the third deadliest airstrike on the densely populated Jabalia refugee camp in northern Gaza. The Hamas-run health ministry said at least 27 people were killed in the attack, which it said was near a UN school. DW's Rebecca Ritters in the Israel city of Sedrot, near the border with Gaza, gives us an update on Israel's military offensive. Offensive continues and is growing. That the Israeli military is saying a little earlier that they've reached the gates of Gaza City. Now that you know is obviously one of their key points, one of the places of focus. It's one of the biggest residential areas. We know that the military have advised everybody living in Gaza City and further north to head south because to expect these bombardments. And uh, where we're standing is about two kilometres from the northern northeast part behind me is a city called Beit Hanun. Uh, you can hear uh, the pounding of artillery, is outgoing artillery, um, and you can hear even still some machine gun fire in the background from time to time. DW's Rebecca Ritters in the Israel city of Asedrot. Hundreds more foreign passport holders have left Gaza through the Rafah crossing into Egypt. Crowds have gathered at the border, but only those on an official list are being allowed to pass. The biggest group of around 400 people were U.S. citizens. The crossing has been open for the first time since the start of the current conflict between Israel and Hamas. Germany's foreign minister says she's confident the EU will advance Ukraine's bid to join the bloc at a summit next month. Annalena Baerbock said EU enlargement is a geopolitical consequence of Russia's war of aggression against Ukraine. She also said reforms are needed to reduce the use of national vetoes. This news is coming to you from DW in Bonn, Germany. One year after a deal was signed to end the war in Ethiopia's Tigray region, there has been global calls for more to be done to protect civilians and ensure justice for victims of atrocities. Human Rights Watch, the European Union and 10 foreign governments have said rights abuses are still going on in the country, despite the peace agreement reached in South Africa late last year. 
And China says it will hold nuclear arms control talks with the U.S. next week as the two sides try to improve strained relations. The foreign ministry says a delegation will travel to Washington to discuss compliance with arms control treaties and non-proliferation. For more news and information, head on to our website dw.com forward slash Africa. My name is Jen Nyingi. Thanks for sticking with us on the program. This is DW's Africa Link coming to you from our studios here in Bonn, Germany. My name is Josie Mahachi. And I am Eddie Micah Jr. Thanks for connecting with us on our Facebook page. That's DW Africa. Share your comments on the stories we are covering. I see David Inchamba and all you others tuned in. Very welcome to the program. Now, German President Frank Walter Steinmeier has called on German companies to show more interest in investing in African countries. He made this statement as he wraps up a two-day visit state to Zambia. Now, this is actually the first time a German federal president has visited Zambia. In the capital, Lusaka, he met President Hakainda Hichilema for political talks and spoke to representatives of Zambian civil society. For more on this, here's Cathy Short reporting from Lusaka. Germany and Zambia have enjoyed close ties since Zambia's independence in 1964. German President Steinmeier, whilst in Zambia, announced the signing of a 10 million euros German-funded project for water development in Zambia. So far, we have projects up to the tune of 500 million euros. And this commitment is a testament of the trust and the confidence and the certainty on our part that your country has tremendous potential for development. I am delighted that I am going to visit a couple of joint projects. And Zambian President Hakainde Hichilema said Zambia and Germany share common values including democracy, respect for human rights, as well as the rule of law. Hichilema thanked Germany and the European Union for their support in Zambia's debt restructuring process and the Lobito Corridor project, which connects Zambia to Angola and the Democratic Republic of Congo. We now want to focus on opening the economic uh, social cooperation more, deepening that trade investment in the various sectors, uh, given the German technological advancement, the capital base that German has. Political analyst Bonfest Chembe says the German president's visit to Zambia is an important milestone as it signifies the importance that Europe's biggest economy attaches to Zambia's democracy and development. Uh, we have seen many Zambians uh, who have benefited uh, from uh, German education, but also from German expertise uh, in various um, uh, sectors uh, of um, uh, society. I think what we need to do much more is to ensure that um, uh, the relationship, relationship between Germany and Zambia is publicized much more uh, so that the people of Zambia get to understand the interactions uh, and the benefits that accrue out of the relationship. The German president, who is also leading a German business delegation, visited joint projects with Zambia and also met with leaders of civil society organizations. Tinashe Mazala is the co-founder of the Center for Young Leaders in Africa, whose organization promotes the involvement of young people in decision-making. She is one of the two young female leaders who met with the German president and hopes for the best for Zambia's democracy. This meeting happened at a critical time, and I hope that it will be the beginning of greater partnerships and um, enhanced 
collaboration um, with the German government. Steinmeier also traveled to Tanzania earlier this week with both visits aimed at promoting partnerships. The visit coincided with German Chancellor Olaf Scholz's tour of West Africa earlier in the week. Scholz visited Nigeria and Ghana, where he held bilateral talks with the country's leaders. Thanks, Kathy Short, for that report. You know, from all that I've heard, uh, Josie, I get a sense of how important the relationship is between Zambia and Germany. Absolutely. And we really want to see how far that relationship goes with um, um, good, um, Mm. I mean, obviously good partnerships, right? But why did it take this long for a German president to visit Zambia? That's uh, the question I've been asking. But I got a chance to ask Tassila Mbewe, the political and diplomatic analyst and lecturer at University of Lusaka. German has always supported Zambia in uh, developmental projects, um, in areas of water and sanitation, in areas of education. So the, the relationship has always been there. I'm sure you know that Zambia right now is implementing the Vision 2030. We're implementing the Eighth National uh, Development Plan. So I feel the government also has realized that Zambia cannot develop with just the usual partners that we've had, because definitely Africa, Zambia has something to offer to Mm. Germany. Okay. What do both countries need from each other? Technology. German and most of the developed countries are in the fourth industrial revolution. Zambia is not. We definitely need to move with the other uh, countries. So I feel for Africa, for Zambia, technology definitely. The other thing also, the natural resources. We we have um, minerals and we know that Africa is rich with natural resources, with minerals. They need the minerals mm. that are found in most of the African countries for these countries to also grow. But the relationship should be at a certain level where we are exchanging ideas rather than what it has been in the past where we know the north-south kind of relationship has always disadvantaged mm. most African countries. But that's the thing, but not to catch you, because that's exactly the sense that I'm getting from what you're saying. And it's almost describing how the relationship has been between the north and the south, because that's one of the main challenges, isn't it, with such relationships? It's been, it's, it's, it's seen to almost favor more the foreign side than the African. So tell me, has anything changed with the approach? No, you know, like, I, like I've said, Mike, the reason being and the reason why we are not seeing changes and why we still have this north and south kind of relationship, which is unequal, we, we lack um, professionals. Let me put it very, very straight. We do not have economic diplomats that can go in and really, you know, assess and look at what would be the long-term benefit for Africa or for Zambia or for Nigeria or any other country that is going into a relationship with a country that is highly industrialized. What do you mean by we do not have economic diplomats? We, we're talking about different countries on the continent, so many well-educated ones. You're saying no one has that ability yes. to be an e- economic diplomat for their country or the continent? We've left it to the politics. We've left it to to our political leaders usually to negotiate um, when it comes to the natural resources. So some countries do have these economic um, diplomats or people that are that can understand what it means to go into a partnership with a country as powerful as German or a country as powerful as any other industrialized uh, country. But like I said, when I bring it home here in Zambia, these are some of the professionals that that you know are lacking 
in understanding if we are going to operate this mine, what are we getting out of? What are the long-term benefits for Zambia? How optimistic are you about the future of African countries doing business with more industrialized countries? Very optimistic, I must say, because I think we are seeing a number of Africans getting the education that is required. And I'm also seeing Africans beginning to understand the importance of economic development and economic growth. We are seeing Africans who are beginning to understand strategic partnerships. We are seeing Africans who are beginning to understand how do we protect our natural resources. So I'm optimistic that in the future and in the years to come, and that's why I'm saying we need to stop thinking of what am I getting out of it as a leader, but thinking of what will the people benefit in the long run as Africans? Okay. I was speaking to Tasila Mbewe, a political and diplomatic analyst and a lecturer at University of Lusaka. So, Josie, we heard what she said, but what are people saying on our page? That's exactly what we need to say now. Potifa Tembo says, this is very right. Zambia is stable country, good for investment. Shatam says, investing in Zambia is a step in the right direction. It's a stable country. And George Chisha says, welcome to Zambia, one of the most peaceful countries on earth. <laughs> like I love it when <laughs> Africans are, you know, being proud of where they're from, yeah. talking positive. Muchindu Similaka says, Zambia is a very safe investment destination. Mm-hmm. And Rubin Lema says, great move. If you have a good leader, these are some of the attributes you expect. This is why we want to remove George Weah <laughs> comes November 14th. Okay, so this is a Liberian. <laughs> yeah, you, you you definitely expected some shade. But I mean, mm. while people are excited about mm-hmm. this, there's also others that are concerned if the relationship between the North and South has genuinely changed. Is it is it some sort of deals that are being struck that will favor Germany more than Zambians? That's always a discussion. Isn't exactly. It? I heard that question when you asked when mm. you asked our um, expert today, Tassila, mm. and she she really mentioned that, you know, at least it should be mutual. Mm. Let's also learn from Germany and Germany get something from, from mm. us, not only being one-sided, because that's been actually the case for yeah. many years, yeah. that it always uh, benefits the foreign land, I mean, foreign countries, not mm. Africa. Exactly, yeah, especially when you talk about the issue of raw materials. Okay, so what are we getting? Okay, yeah, what are we Natural giving them? Resources. Natural resources, raw materials. I mean, Africa should move away from just being the continent of supplying raw materials. The mm. materials should be refined into finished products so the value increases yeah. so we make more money from it. Now, before I digress and go too deep into that, <laughs> let us know your thoughts on our Facebook page, DW Africa. This. Okay, thanks for sticking with us on DW's Africa Link program. I'm your host, Josie Mahachi. And uh, Josie is here with me, Eddie Micah Jr. Connect with us on our Facebook page, DW Africa. Like and follow the page and comment on the stories we're covering. Now, coming up in the next few minutes, African Growth and Opportunity Act, AGOA Forum, kicks off in South Africa and the beneficiaries are calling for an extension and renewal of the trade pact. 10 to 20 years is very critical to the investment community and it gives them time to generate profits out of those investments. And before we get into that, let's talk about today, the International Day to End Impunity for Crimes Against Journalists. Now, impunity, Josie, is an increasingly worrying trend that has developed into a real culture for crimes against 
journalist. This has serious consequences on journalistic work and people's access to information of public interest. That's right, Eddie. And this day highlights the immense risks journalists face worldwide in their pursuit of truth. Between 2006 and 2023, over 1,600 journalists have been killed around the world, with close to nine out of 10 cases of these killings remaining judicially unresolved, according to the UNESCO Observatory of Killed Journalists. Yeah. Now, one case to remember is a tragic incident that occurred in Kenya. Ashad Sharif, a Pakistani journalist, was shot and killed in Kenya in October last year under mysterious circumstances. Now, the trial of the elite Kenyan police unit accused of murdering Ashad Sharif opened this week on Tuesday. It is alleged that his critical reporting of the Pakistani government and military made him a target, and his death has ignited outrage among journalists and human rights activists globally. Now, to bring you an in-depth perspective, our correspondent Andrew Wasike spoke with Ashad Sharif's widow, Javeria Siddiq, who is passionately calling for justice in her husband's case. She alleges that he was killed in a targeted attack. Javeria, your husband Ashad Sharif faced significant challenges in Pakistan due to his investigative journalism. Could you share more about the circumstances that led him to seek refuge in Kenya? Actually, my husband uh, uh, fled the country last year because he was booked in a several cases of sedition and treason. He was a renowned investigative journalist of Pakistan. So that's why um, ruling elite become... Uh, really angry on him and they tried to book him in a fake cases uh, for safety of his life uh, he come to your country kenya uh, but later he was uh, killed by the kenyan police and they have called it a mistaken identity they have uh, come in, uh, publicly admitted the fact but no one is arrested in his case and no one is has been charged so far but for me this is not a mistaken identity this is a planned targeted assass- assassination so that's why i have filed a case against uh, gs you also mentioned that you have sued police in Kenya. How have you been able to do this? With the help of uh, media defense, and uh, in this week uh, we are filing this case in um, Kenya, uh, High Court of Kenya, and in the Human Rights Division. Lastly, your perspective on Kenya changed after the tragic incident involving your husband. Could you elaborate on what you expected from Kenya and uh, how the lack of an apology? and support from the Kenyan authorities has affected your perception of my country, Kenya? Uh, For me, uh, I thought uh, before that Kenya is a rich of uh, culture, history, uh, minerals, flora, fauna, and for me, um, like it was my dream uh, to come and visit this place. But uh, after this incident, uh, my perspective is a change completely for the Kenya that they never issued even a public apology and they, were, they never even sent a note for our family uh, that we are uh, we apologize with the family and we are with you at this difficult time. They were so cruel and very. Um, ignorant with us so that's why i decided to file this case in uh, kenya uh, like to my husband to get justice and all those uh, policemen to be punished and uh, um, kenyan police should apologize uh, publicly very uh, strong last words there clearly has a lot of emotions to still bring out. A voice of a heartbroken widow. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That was uh, Andrew Asiki talking to Ashad Shari's widow Shaveria Sidike.
Now we have comments on that story. Rich Montoli says the killing of Fashad Sharif in Nairobi was unfortunate. Kenya robs the world of humanity of a fine journalist. Mm. Young Kuba Chaita says, story, story is how it will be treated when police do wrong. Thank you so much for those comments. Keep them coming on our Facebook page, DW Africa. Now to South Africa, the hosts of the annual African Growth and Opportunity Act, AGOA Forum in Johannesburg from November 2nd, which is today, till the 4th to discuss the United States flagship trade program for the continent. The African Growth and Opportunity Act was signed into law by former United States President Bill Clinton in May, twen- May 2000, rather, mm-hmm. in a bid to improve trade and investment ties with sub-Saharan Africa. Now, many African trade ministers are in attendance and the meeting also takes place at a time when U.S. President Joe Biden has revealed plans to expel Uganda, Gabon, Niger and the Central African Republic. The AGOA Pact is set to expire in 2025 and all qualifying countries want it renewed. Tuzo Kumalo reports from Johannesburg. The forum kicked off with African trade ministers and their delegations holding a closed door meeting ahead of their meeting with the American delegation tomorrow. Albert Muchanga, African Union Commissioner for Economic Development, Trade, Tourism, Industry and Minerals, did not miss his words in telling them what Africa expects them to discuss in today's meeting for presentation to the U.S. delegation tomorrow. Life extension of Agora for 10 years. If the offer is 20 years, I think we as Africa should be ready to accept that. 10 to 20 years is very critical to the investment community. And it gives them to generate profits out of those investments. The AGOA Forum has become an important component for qualifying countries as it gives them access to export agreed products to the U.S. market duty-free. In 2022, the two-way trade between AGOA participants amounted to $46 billion dollars. Africa exported goods worth $30 billion to the U.S. under AGOA in that year. And Ibrahim Patel, Minister of Trade and Industry in South Africa, told delegates that if granted the extension of this pact beyond 2025, Africa is ready to double these exports. Africa is redefining its role in the world. We are young Africa, ready to embrace the challenge of industrialization. We will develop a common view that we will present as separate delegations when we engage the United States. The U.S. has listed a set of eligibility criteria for countries to qualify being admitted into AGOA. These include a market-based economy, adherence to the rule of law, practice of democracy and respect of human rights, amongst others. As a result, a few countries who have dropped the ball are expected to be booted out by the end of the year. South Africa's relations with countries like Russia and China has of late been generating diplomatic tensions between it and the U.S. Adrian Saville, an economic and finance strategist, says it's difficult for South Africa to choose one over the other. 
What South Africa has been trying to do is to be facing left and right at the same time. And, you know, that's a real challenge in, in any circumstance because you've got the West, which has, uh, or, you know, the North, uh, which has a set of requirements and expectations, a set of uh, principles and strong uh, historical relationships. Tomorrow, President Cyril Ramaphosa, together with the U.S. Trade Representative, Ambassador Catherine Tai will officially open the forum. This will then be followed by a closed door meeting of African ministers of trade with the U.S. delegation. U.S. President Joe Biden has already indicated he supports the extension. The question now is for how long and how far will Africa be willing to utilize that second chance? Thanks to Sokumalo for that report. Just to also inform you, we'll have a Facebook Live on this particular story on Saturday as they wind down the forum in Johannesburg, South mm. Africa. Mm. Also on the story, you know, Uganda has criticized the U.S. move to reject it and other African countries from accessing a tariff-free trade program, saying the action was to punish African countries that are resisting the imposition of the West cultural values. We have some comments, Josie, right? Yes, Mary Chelsea says, let them do what they want to. As Africans, we are used to surviving. Such leaders who stand with our values and are against imposition of extreme Western cultural values are what we need. Curtis Dale Edwards says, Stand firm, Uganda. There are 54 countries on the continent. Trade amongst each other. Do not compromise your values and principles for Agoa. Well, okay. these are just some of your thoughts on our Facebook page, DW Africa. Keep them coming. Talking Sports. Yes, time for sports news. Uh, Bundesliga champions Bayern Munich were stunned 2-1 by third tyres Brüggen to dump them out of the German Cup in the second round thanks to a last gas winner. How do I pronounce that? I burst out laughing. Well, this is a brutal blow for us to be, there, uh, to be eliminated for the third time in the second round of the Cup is not what we strive for. Those are not my words, Josie. Those are the words from Müller himself. Now, Kai is here to tell us what could have gone wrong. Hi, Kai. Let's start there. Well, what could have gone wrong? Uh, Bayern Munich lost <laughs> for again <laughs> in the second round of the uh, of the of the uh, German Cup, which is the second uh, best uh, trophy to win if you're a German soccer team, and they lose against uh, FC Saarbrücken, which is a team that plays in the third league of German football. They're mm. not even in the top half of the third league, and they play in the same league. Just for some perspective, they play in the same league that Borussia Dortmund's second team plays. In Ouch. which uh, <laughs> Borussia Dortmund being, of course, the team that uh, that uh, Bayern Munich are going to face this weekend. So it was it was a real shock mm. <laughs> for yeah. Bayern mm. Munich, and uh, basically they, they Bayern dominated the game, uh, but they couldn't generate enough offensive opportunities. Zabrucken had two shots mm. and they scored two goals, Ooh. and uh, the last of which coming in like the uh, 95th minute of the match, and after that the final whistle blew. But it was an amazing win actually, and. You know, it's a great story of giant killing, basically. Totally. Okay. Now, Kai, I like that you touched on the Dortmund, Borussia Dortmund. I mean, this result came at the wrong time. They are facing their arch rivals, uh, Borussia Dortmund, I mean, Bayern Munich, for what they are called their classical during this Saturday. 
what's at stake for the Bavarians? Well, it's not just that they lost. It's also that during that match, they lost a key defender, Matthijs de Lucht, with a, um, well, a serious knee injury, which, and, and, and the Bayern Munich defense is already understaffed. Mm. And uh, the, obviously having uh, one less defender in a top clash like this against Borussia Dortmund is very, very difficult for Bayern. Um, and also Bay- uh, Dortmund are now in a good opportunity to actually leapfrog Bayern Munich to get to second in the Bundesliga. That's uh, basically what we've got. They won't reach the top if they beat Bayern, but uh, it'll, it'll, it's, I think it, this sets up a very interesting matchup. Yeah. Mm. Well, quick one on this one, Kai. I mean, with the German Cup, as we talked about, it's, it's, it just tells you how incredible that competition is. It's like no one is safe, is it? No one is safe. And I think this is the beauty of uh, leagues like the or, or competitions like the German Cup mm. or in England, the FA Cup or Spain's Copa del Rey is that you do have the opportunity for these giant killing things. It's real where dreams can be made. And yeah. that's why I think it's special. Yeah. Okay. So Kai, before we let <laughs> you go... <laughs> Where are you putting your Euros? Dortmund or Bayern on Saturday? It's a tough one. I mean, I have to say, Dortmund, even though they drew last weekend, um, they did show a lot of fight by coming back three times in that game to draw uh, 3-3. Um, Bayern, on the other hand, come off an 8-0 win. Um, yeah. I have to say, with Bayern firing on all cylinders, which I hope they will be with Harry Kane, I have to say, I think Bayern are going to continue um, with their recent run of really good form against Dortmund and take this 2-1. Yeah, only, oh, two one. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. Only Andrew, time will Andrew. tell. I mean, the far part clearly vanished against this uh, <laughs> this other team, but you know, football is give football. Give us your prediction. I will not go for Bayern because I don't like Bayern. Just they keep winning, so I'll go for the opposition. Score line. Uh, hopefully, two one in favor of the opposition. You're copying Kai. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> just against. <laughs> Thank you so much, Kai, for joining us live. Thanks very much. Mm-hmm. Now, on that very note, we have to love and leave you, but not forever. Until next time, my name is Josie Mahachi. And I am Eddie Micah Jr. Thanks a lot for sharing your time with us. Enjoy the rest of your day. DW. Mid for Minds.